Have you ever thought about it? I mean really thought about it. About how wonderfully and richly blessed we are. Do you ever just sit back and let the world pass in review before your eyes? And think about your family, your friends, your loved ones, your community, your country. Do we ever really take the time to sit down and remember all the blessings, all the good things God has sent our way? Oftentimes, it does me a lot of good to do that. To remember. To remember all the good things God has done for me. And then when I do that, I regret I don't do it more often. I read not long ago about a group of ladies who compiled a list of things that they were thankful for. Things they were especially thankful for. And these ladies wrote they were especially thankful for automatic dishwashers because it made it possible for them to get out of the kitchen before the family came back for after dinner snacks. They were thankful for husbands who attacked small repair jobs around the house because in doing so they usually made them big enough to call in the professionals to get it fixed right. They were thankful for children who put away their things and picked up their toys and cleaned up after themselves that those kind of children were such a joy you hate to see them go home to their own parents. And they were thankful for smoke alarms because they would let you know when dinner was ready. Now you think about it. In reality, most of us spend too many, far too many of our waking hours thinking about the problems that we must face. We think about the bills that still have to be paid. We think about the work that still has to be done. And we spend too few hours thinking about things that have already been accomplished. So we think about the things that were facing us and the things that we still have to do and we lose sight then of the positive, constructive things in our lives. Sometimes it's good to take a deep breath and turn around and look back and see some of the encouraging things that we've done. Because sometimes when we look back and see the encouraging things that we've accomplished, that gives us the strength to move on against the things that are still out there in the future. That's something good for individuals. It's also good for a group of Christians. For example, if you take the time to take a deep breath and look back, we had a Wonderful day. A great day for the Lord last Sunday right here in Center, Texas. We had a splendid audience assembled. 
We had a wonderful luncheon. A great time of fellowship. We had one of those times of fellowship last Sunday where people didn't just meet and eat and burp and leave. They stayed around and visited with each other. And we enjoyed each other's company. And we had a splendid time of visiting together. Days like last Lord's Day. They speak to us loudly. And they speak to us clearly. And when we have a great day like last Sunday was, we know. We know down deep in our hearts the best, the brightest, the greatest days of the Lord's Church in Center, Texas are still out there in the future. They're still ready for us to claim them. I think too often we allow ourselves to be overwhelmed and too exclusively occupied by the problems we face. We're too focused on the work ahead of us or the besetting sins that are around us. And so we're so focused on the work that's ahead of us. We're so focused on the besetting sins that are continually surrounding us. And too often... Too often, too much preaching is done along those lines. Oftentimes, way too much preaching is directed against things that need improvement. We talk about places where we're weak, places where we fall short of the mark, places where we're not doing what we ought to be doing. And you know, that's kind of a regrettable thing. Because sometimes we need to look at the good that's around us. And sometimes we need to look at the encouraging things about our work for the Lord. Because you see, it's a glorious, splendid, magnificent privilege to be a Christian. And if you can't say amen to that, just raise your hand. I don't know what you're talking about. Because first of all, being a Christian means that God, the Creator of this universe, the Creator of everything that's inside of us, God loves us. And God is so concerned about us that He even knows the number of hairs that are on our head. That's what Jesus tells us. And Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived as a man he died on the cross to redeem my soul from sin. And sometimes we need to stop thinking about that in the universal sense. Christ died for the world. Let's realize it was for me that He died. It was for my sins that He died. It was to redeem my soul that Jesus Christ went to the cross. And the Holy Spirit has given us this perfect guidebook that tells us how to be happy here and how to be saved and live life eternally with God in heaven. Guess what, friends? Write this down. It's on the final exam. It's grand to be a Christian. And all of that brings me to our text this morning. It's in the 1 Corinthian letter, chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. 
Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ's. And Christ is God. That is a beautiful passage of Scripture. And it's a passage of Scripture that is wonderfully encouraging. It's one of those optimistic passages of Scripture. It's one of those that sends you on your way with a song in your heart, a lilt in your step. It was originally written to encourage the Corinthians at the church there in Corinth. Remember that Corinthian church was a church that was facing a number of very severe problems. In fact, the Corinthian letter, the first Corinthian letter has been styled as strong reproofs for a scandalous church. And if ever there was a scandalous church, it was Corinth. But that passage was written for them, but that passage is written for us. All things are yours. Whether Paul, Apollos, or Cephas, the world of life or death, or things present or things to come, all are yours and you are Christ's. And Christ is God's. That's the King James Version. Let me read that in Philip's translation. You know, I like Philip's and Moffat. Here's Philip's translation. Everything belongs to you. Paul, Apollos, or Cephas, the world, life, death, the present or the future, everything is yours. For you belong to Christ. And Christ belongs to God. Now, Paul specifically mentions three names to the Corinthians. He mentions himself. He mentions Apollos, the eloquent preacher from Alexandria who had crossed the Mediterranean and he was now preaching in Corinth. He mentions Cephas, or Simon Peter as we would call him, who played such a great role in the beginning of the church preaching that first sermon on Pentecost. Paul says, all things are yours. All three of them. If you go back to that first chapter of the Corinthian letter, Paul there implores these Corinthians that in the name of Jesus Christ, I want you to all speak the same thing. I don't want there to be any divisions among you, Paul says. You've got to stop this party spirit. Stop saying that you're of Paul, you're of Apollos, you're of Cephas, or you're of Christ. He said, Christ is not divided. Paul wasn't crucified for you. You weren't baptized in the name of Paul. He said, all speak the same thing. He said, whatever else you may do, whatever else you might think, remember this, your religion is centered on Jesus Christ. You see what they'd done in Corinth? They had made the mistake of thinking that they belong to their leaders. And if you think of it that way, then you have to start choosing sides. I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. I belong to Cephas. What they should have said, Paul is telling them is, these men, Paul, Apollos, and Cephas, they all belong to us. They had really turned it around. 
Everything Paul had taught was for all of them. And there was nothing in the examples of Apollos or Cephas that was not for every Christian in the Corinthian church. So instead of them thinking that they belonged to their leaders, why not appropriate every good thing in every leader for themselves? Speaking in that same vein, we might include the names of people like Martin Luther or John Calvin or John Wesley and Alexander Campbell. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or Luther or Calvin or Wesley or Campbell or whoever it might be. Now stay with me. From these men, from those men I just mentioned, Take whatever good there might be that you can take. But never forget and always remember your life is centered in Jesus Christ. Everyone ought to be forever grateful for the courageous stand of Martin Luther. As he stood against the evils of the established state church of Roman Catholicism of his day. And if you mention these men I just talked about, there is some good things. There are some good things in each of these men. But the good things that are there are only there in the sense that they learned them from the Lord. I like the way Lincoln put it on one occasion. He said, go along with the man who's right. And leave him when he goes wrong. That's what they needed to say back in Corinth. Paul put it best when he said in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, Be you imitators of me, even as I also am of Christ. We belong to Christ. In a practical way. That text means to us that there is a procession of great lives back through all the centuries to Jesus Christ and even beyond. And they belong to us. Abraham is ours. Joseph is ours. David is ours. The apostles and all the rest are ours. From them we learn God's truth. And by them we're inspired to be better than we would otherwise be. Now, notice our text again. Paul says, all things are yours. Whether Paul, Apollos, or Cephas. Now listen. Or the world, or life, or death. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but I sometimes have watched a show on television called Modern Marvels. And Modern Marvels tells of scientific achievements. It tells of great advancements in transportation and communication. It tells how 
man has in the past. And man continues to harness the world around him for his benefit. So truly, the world is ours. There has never been a time in the history of the world when people have been so challenged and at the same time so blessed as we are here in this 21st century. The world is ours. Life is ours. Our life expectancy is so much greater than it was in the time of Jesus. If we can keep the CDC out of things, life expectancy should continue to improve. Think of life as a great reservoir of hours and minutes that all of us are given at birth. You can spend the time here or there doing this or that, as we would say. At birth, we're given a great reservoir of time. We can spend that time living for God or we can live for the devil. The point is, we have life. And it is a great blessing. And Paul said, death is ours. Think about Stephen. That young man in the Jerusalem church. As he was being stoned to death because of his faith in God and his service to Jesus Christ, it says that those that beheld his face beheld as it were the face of an angel. Or think of James. Herod had him beheaded because it pleased the Jews and he was actually the first apostle to be martyred. And there were others. Tradition tells us Paul was killed by the edge of the sword while Nero was on the throne. Tradition also tells us Peter was crucified head downward because he did not want to be crucified the same way the Lord was. So far in our generation, we're not called upon to die for Jesus. Let's hope that we will live for Him. He says death, the world, life and death. And then He says things present and things to come, all are yours. Think about how inspiring that is. Things present and things to come. In spite of the ACLU, in spite of the Freedom From Religion Foundation, in spite of woke ideology, teachers, unions, and the government, there are some encouraging things in our present age. There are actually more books of an inspirational nature being published today than ever before. Though church membership is in a decline, and church attendance is in a decline. There is a burgeoning renewal of interest in things related to God. And we're thankful for that. We can turn to the book of Revelation and we can get a glimpse of things to come. John tried to describe it in terms we could understand. 
when he talked about gates of a single pearl and streets that were paved with gold. He was describing a place more beautiful than our finite, feeble human minds could imagine. And then Paul says, you are Christ's. And Christ is God. He said, you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. I want you to know something. I find that to be truly inspiring. He repeats the expression, all things are yours. You belong to Christ. Christ belongs to God. The future belongs to us because we belong to Jesus Christ. And it's only because we've embraced the truths that Jesus came to teach that we can have a confident expression of future good. If you take Jesus Christ out of our lives, our house is built on nothing but sand and quicksand at that. The future belongs to Jesus Christ and His disciples because Jesus Christ belongs to God. What did Paul mean when he says Christ is God's? Go back this morning by an eye of faith with me. Go back to through the centuries to the time Jesus was living on this earth. And imagine you're walking down the street. And you take some things from our day and time with you. You take a microphone and a video camera. And you're interviewing people on the streets in that first century. And you stop someone at random and you say, I need to ask you, sir, of our day and time, who are the historians going to remember Who's the future going to belong to? And maybe some person will think a moment and say, Well, I'm pretty sure Pilate's going to have a page in history. After all, he is the governor. And you ask someone else, Well, Herod, I'm sure, because, you know, after all, Herod's the king. And someone else will say, Well, surely Caesar is going to be remembered. And maybe you might ask some other individual, they might mention some of the more prominent businessmen or some prominent wealthy person or merchant of that day and time or maybe some of the more notorious bandits of that era of the first century. But if you stopped a random person on the street in the first century and said, who's going to be remembered down through the centuries 2,000 years from now, who's going to be remembered? None of them would have said Jesus Christ. That humble carpenter from Nazareth wouldn't have had a chance in that man on the street interview. But if you see what was going on then and what's going on now, the future didn't belong to Pilate. It didn't belong to Herod. And it didn't even belong to Caesar. How many of you know which Caesar was on the throne when Jesus was born? And how many know which Caesar was on the throne when Jesus died? Augustus Caesar was on the throne when Jesus was born. Tiberius Caesar was on the throne when Jesus died. That's your history lesson for today. But nobody remembers that. Pilate would have been completely forgotten except he played a one day in the story of Jesus.
The future belonged to Jesus, and Jesus belonged to God. Jesus lived a life perfectly in accord with the will of God. And because Jesus lived a life perfectly in accord with the will of God, Jesus Christ will never be forgotten. And His impact on this world will never be forgotten. When you and I belong to Christ, when we belong to Christ, we live our lives in the will of God. When we belong to Christ, we live our lives with the grain of God's truth and not against the grain of God's truth. That's what Christianity is all about, folks is living our lives within the will of God. And it's when we give our lives to the Lord and we follow the Lord and follow Him, we're happy. We're happy here and we're going to be happy in that world to come. All things are yours. You belong to Christ. And Christ belongs to God. Are you living your life within the will of God? Or are there changes that need to be made so you'll be living within the will of God? I don't know the needs of your heart this morning, but if there's something in your heart that needs to be changed to be living within the will of God, come and let us help you make that change as together we stand and while we sing.